evening or if you're joining us on the live stream, uh, would you please join us in standing as we sing and we worship Jesus who is our joy.
Mosaic, welcome. Isn't that a great way to start the service? Isn't that a great way to welcome in the Advent season? Man, y'all can have a seat. It is incredible to have you here tonight. Don't you love this time of the year? I was thinking about it as, as the band was playing tonight, and sitting there with my family. I hope families are gathering at home together, and I see the Webers. I see families rolling in together, and, you know, Rosie gets so excited whenever she thinks about church. She talks about, do we have church tonight? She's learning from school, wondering, do we have church today? Church is something that my daughter, my son, gets excited about. I got to admit, when I was their age, I did not get excited about church. But I got excited about this time of the year because it was something that I understood. I was joyful about this time of the year because I understood we were celebrating Jesus. I was joyful for this weekend of Advent because I understood why we were joyful. I understood that we had something to celebrate. Jesus, God, was coming to take on flesh for a reason. I started to understand those things. As a kid, I knew each and every year was going to come along that we were going to celebrate the birth of Christ. You know, something that we've done here for every year since 1991 is celebrate together as a church family on Christmas Eve. Um, when Jesus came in, he changed everything, right? There was no new normal, or there was no normal. There was a new normal since Jesus came along. I can't promise you with COVID that, that we're going to have a normal anymore. Now we're going to have a new normal I'm not saying we're never going to come together for Christmas Eve again, but I'm saying we can still be together on Christmas Eve because we're going to have a virtual Christmas Eve this year. There was just no way we could do all the services that we need to do as we spread out, as, as we clean the, the sanctuary in between hands. So our elders just thought it'd be best if we did it virtually. So please, we want to encourage you. You can, you can go to mosaicnwa.org backslash Christmas, and you can, you can watch that online. We want to encourage you to do that with your families, to do something special with your families that you remember this Christmas forever. We want to encourage you today. If you didn't pick up one of these uh, communion packets, we will be observing communion because that's what we do as the family of Christ. We do it in remembrance of him. If you're at home tonight, go to the, the refrigerator and grab something that you can drink and take it in for him. His body broken for you. Do that tonight. Do it with the church family. As we do these things in observance of him, let's just pray right now and prepare our hearts and our minds for worship. Jesus, tonight is a night that we want to focus on you, who you are, what you have done for us. We praise you for the fact that you are the living God. Death could not be something that conquered you that you are the loving God, that you have came and loved us so well. You showed us how to live life. 
in our broken and fallen world. And Lord, for that tonight, we celebrate because we still live in this broken, fallen world, but you have shown us, Jesus, how we can live in it. We pray it all in your name, Jesus. Amen. Mosaic, what uh, comes to your mind when I say the word joy? What's the first thing that comes to your mind when you think of joy? Take a moment. I'm gonna read this joy confession over us. And the purpose of it is to confess that we're gonna depend on Jesus as our source of joy. There's no hopes or happiness pursuits that we can have in this life that are gonna satisfy us for eternity. That's the difference between happiness and joy. Joy is found in submitting to Jesus, letting him come into our lives, aligning ourselves with him, and letting him fuel us for eternity. So tonight we practice, as we confess this, we practice being in that posture of recognizing that he's our joy, that's gonna be the source of joy for all eternity. And that is something we as followers of Christ can celebrate. So I'll read this and then all together at the end where it's bolded, we say, you are our joy. We'll all say that together. Oh Lord, our God, joy of our salvation, we need we face the dense fog of grief and sorrow in this life. Sometimes we can feel like we are shrouded in an impassable mist. Sometimes we can feel like the haze of gloom threatens to depress us. The advent of Christ renews our joy. You have come you are near to us. Your joy is bright like the dawn that dissolves the gray. Your joy shines like the sun that reveals spectrums of blessing. You arrived to bear the heaviest misery on the cross for us. King Jesus, eternal Son of God, thank you for coming. You are our joy.
to fall down to seek only your face laying down my crown from John 15:11 These things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full Father God, we uh, thank you for this time together tonight uh, to worship you. Um, we thank you for the Christmas season and for the gift of your son. Father, we, uh, we thank you so much that, uh, that our hope is a person, uh, that our peace uh, is a person, and that our joy is indeed the same person, and that person uh, is, your, is your son, Jesus. Father, um, Focus our minds tonight on the message. Uh, speak through Matt. Um, speak to each of us. We pray these things in your son's name. Amen. Amen. Hey, before you sit, everybody look back on the screen. There's a camera back there with all our friends and family virtually tuning in and say, we miss you. Now look to your left and right and look, make eye contact with somebody. and Just let them know how loved they are. Glad you're here. What a joy, what a treat, what a privilege. Yes. It's not like hugging, but it's a close second place. I am glad you are here. And if you're new, my name is Matt. What a privilege. Once again, we've been in this sweet, sweet season of Advent where we've been putting our focus specifically on this word, this beautiful promise of Emmanuel. God, who sent his son, Jesus, to enter our neighborhood, to put on flesh, to be with us. And maybe, maybe in the terms of a, whoever can remember longer is, is that we've had hope and we've had joy. We've had peace and love, feeling like it's been stripped away. We've been clinging for it, asking for it. And it comes through Jesus. It comes through Emmanuel, God with us. And that's why we come that's why we gather, that's why we worship and we pray and we sing together. So thank you for being here. Thank you for doing this Advent thing together. Um, there was an old comedian, maybe old to some, not so old to others, named Jerry Seinfeld. The great theologian who I'm reminded by many of you all the time when you look me in the eye and say, hello, Newman. Thank you for that, by the way. And he has this one stand-up bit where he's walking down the pharmaceutical aisle and he takes two different bottles of, of pain reliever, one that is fast-acting, one that is long-lasting. And he asks this question, 
When do you want to feel better? Now or later? And yet I've been stuck as I've been thinking just giggling over that little picture, but it's the specific time and the specific topic. Because I think many of us, we're in a quest for better. Every morning, every minute, everything that happens, we wake up and we think, what is it gonna take to just get this crazy life a little bit better? And you know it. You know, with the simplest of questions, you might see a friend from six feet away, recognize their eyebrows and say, hey, how are you? And inevitably, there's this pause. Eyes kind of glaze over. They look off into the, into the distance and say, I'm pretty good. But you can just see they're saying, if only. If only better would unfold. Well, then I could be great. So as I read and reread tonight's text, slowly, carefully, praying with the expectations that God would fill us, overflow from us. Let me read from John 15, 11. By the way, kids, if you came in and you grabbed one of those note pages, there's a little box that says tonight's verse. Ding, 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 ding. This is it. So you can write it down. It says this, John 15, 11. These things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. You can't read those last four or five words too quickly. That your joy may be full. Some translations even go as far to say, your joy would be complete. It hints at something, doesn't it? It hints to a lifetime of lesser joys. It begs us to ask the question that we can give our life away to lesser Joys, things that we expect to be satisfying, yet never quite hit the mark. Now, granted, some of those things are really good things, aren't they? I mean, literally any time that I get a chance to play basketball or ride my bike to work, it counts as a good day. Recently, I've been taking ukulele lessons. You'd probably laugh at me as I hold it in my giant hands. Anytime that I play the ukulele, it's a pretty good day. In my parenting stage, we have a one-year-old. Praise the Lord for Lydia, our one-year-old. Every time she leaves the room, she says, bye-bye. And she waves like this. That's pretty good. That can, that can make my heart make it for a long time at those pretty good things. But you know, many of us, many of us have also fallen accustomed to the to the bear trap of sin that has been happening, that we've been struggling with since the beginning of time. The story that Jesus tells about the prodigal son, it says he had everything that he could want. The symbol of his father, that symbol of God, could provide anything that he could possibly need, literally the fullness of joy. And then he took it and he traded it away. In the Old Testament, Jeremiah 2, the prophet, 
he looks at a suffering and sinning Israel and says, the reason, the reason for your distance from God is because you've taken the glory of God, the fountain of living water, you've traded it in. You've exchanged it for that which will never satisfy. You know, in many of a conversation, if you're someone who would call yourself a follower of Jesus, a Christian, I've noticed a sense of even a subtle little guilt because you expect to have abounding joy. And so when you don't, you feel really bad about it. And you wonder what you're doing wrong. You wonder if you've missed it. And I just, I wonder, are, are we going about it a little bit wrong? Have we actually been influenced by our culture more than we think? Have we gone as far to exchange the world's means and definition of joy? question we're going to wrestle with and we have a simple uh and but yet effective test to get us at the heart of it and i i want to put into practice something that we haven't quite yet if you're if you would call yourself a kid i'll let you determine the age and you grabbed a wiki stick on the way into the room can you take one of your wiki sticks and hold it up hold up that wiki stick because i have an assignment for you yes hold up your wiki stick if you're a parent and you listen better with something in your hands grab one of your kids wiki sticks Here's the test. When was the last time that you walked into your house and your parent, your spouse, your roommate, your friend asked how you were and you said, I had an amazing day. Now, if you have your wiki stick, I want you to mold it into something that would make you say, my day was amazing. But if you're not a kid and you're just thinking about this, Maybe even the guilt sets in. You're like, wow, I can't remember the last time I would call my day amazing. Maybe even you're going a level deeper. What, what would even make it amazing? I'm so used to just a numb day. Maybe your measures of success when you drill down are things like, at least I didn't get it singled out at work. Or maybe you're the extrovert that said, hey, I got singled out at work. It was great. Crazy people. Maybe the meal that you cooked was on point. It made it amazing. Maybe grandparents, you were babysitting your grandkids and they nor you set the living room on fire. That's a win. Did you work out? Did you read a book? Did you talk to a friend? What was it that made it amazing for you? Think about that just for a moment. I had an amazing day. Tell us in wiki sticks. And here's what we quickly realize, that our hope of joy has quickly drifted to become circumstantial. And so often we exchange the promises, the fullness, the true joy for that which will not satisfy. And we can't sit in that, so we have to ask the question, what do we do? You know, it's at this point of my sermon prep and prayer time that I often kind of kick back on my office chair and I have this moment where I go, 
I have no idea. What do we do? As a follower of Jesus who wants to have the abounding fullness of joy, Lord, I want to have joy, and a lot of times I don't feel it. What do I do? What do we do? And I was grateful for two things. One, the text tonight, because it's going to lead us to what we do. And then secondly, I looked up on my shelf where I have a whole lot of trinkets from a whole lot of memories, and I looked and saw this. And I wanted to tell you the story of my plastic ball. I went on a mission trip to Guatemala for, I don't know, maybe 10 years in a row. And one of those years, we had the day where we were going to, I don't know, take 50 bucks and go and buy souvenirs to bring home to our kids. And you, you know how it is. After 10 years of going to the same city, the same store, you kind of buy the same things. So let's call this year seven. And I was walking to get the same old souvenirs. And I looked to the side and I noticed all these little sweet Guatemalan kids scurrying around and grabbing plastic bags. And they were bringing them to a center point. And there was this one child that was just a little bit older and he out of plastic bags was making a plastic net. Gathering the needs, gathering the tools, gathering the resources and the things, pulling them together, weaving them as one. And I just, I just stopped walking to the, to the market and sat down and watched. And they put together a plastic soccer ball and proceeded in the fullness of what they knew of joy to enjoy a few several hours of this ball. And I took my 50 bucks that I was going to spend on souvenirs and stuff, and I walked up to the kids afterwards. I said, that ball would be a discount if I could buy it from you. And so I gave them 50 bucks. And I took this ball. And it sat on my shelf as a reminder to that so often Scripture gives us the little things that when a community works together, depending upon one another, using the things that God says, that God lays before us, that the result is joy. Result is the kind of experience that we remember. So let's look together in John chapter 15. Mind you, this is not a text that is often read at Christmas. I've considered this and I'm at peace with it. I hope you are too. Usually John 15, it's saved for the deep, soul-seeking, soul-searching moments of our spiritual formation. How do we walk intimately with Jesus John 15 often provides the answer. And tonight it's gonna to provide the answer for how we find joy. So John 15, just a few verses, seven to 11, says this, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, then ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. By this, my father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments, and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. I've spoken these things 
so that my joy may be in you, your joy may be full. Don't miss what just happened. He just told us the recipe to have the fullness of joy. A single-minded quest like the little Guatemalan soccer players. Everybody knows what they have to do. We are going to bring them together and present a final product of what we do to receive that joy that is of God. And let's not forget, we've mentioned this every single week, that it's not a joy that's based on working harder. It's a joy on receiving more. And we said it, the overflow concept from Romans 15 that we talked about with hope. The God of hope would fill you so that you would overflow with hope. We talked about it with peace, that the God of peace would send his son Jesus. Ephesians 2, that he is our peace, that we would overflow with peace. And tonight, it's a joy that's not in you just rearranging your calendar. It's a joy that comes in the fullness of God, the fullness of Jesus in you. It's the same grace that saves us. It now sustains us. The grace that saved us now sustains us in joy. And so I just, I built the slide like a funnel with an end product that our joy may be full. And I together, I just want to put in the ingredients that the text gives us. This is our counterculture, our upside down kingdom, our otherworldly thinking way of receiving the fullness of joy. Are you with me? We're gonna fly through them quick. Here's number one. If you abide in me, and then later it says, and in my love. If you abide in me and in my love. I think a spiritual discipline that oftentimes is forgotten in whichever new author is writing about spiritual disciplines is just the discipline of mindfulness. It's an awareness of what you are thinking about. And it's this spiritual art of bouncing your thoughts back to the love of God. I think that's why, uh, you know, when Jeremiah is talking to a country in chaos where his hope has become hopeless, in his poem, his lament, chapter three of Lamentations, he's able to say, this I call to mind. Just a few verses later, earlier he said his hope is gone, but now this I call to mind and therefore I have hope. There's something about a mindfulness, his mindset on the love of God that actually changes how he's doing. The prodigal son, we've already mentioned him in Luke 15. After he gets to the lowest of low, he's literally eating out of the pigsties. It says then he came to his senses and he begins to gospelize himself, reminding himself of the abundance of the father. And if he would just humble himself and come to his father, he will be received. And then he talks to himself and literally says, so I just need to now stand up and go home. And then he does. There is a mindfulness to bounce our thoughts back to abiding our thoughts in the presence and the love of Jesus. Number one is abiding in his love. Number two says, my word abides in you. Number one, we abide in him. Number two, his word abides in us. 
Now, I know for many of you, for, for many years, if, if you're anything like me, uh, this Christmas season has high hopes and oftentimes gets hijacked. Anybody else? I get to about December 22nd. I'm just like, I'm exhausted. I just can't wait to get past the holidays so I can actually get some rest. Boy, Advent just got robbed, if that is anything of your story. But friends, I think it's been a gift. It's been a pace gift for me this Advent because when everything gets canceled, we get the opportunity to slow down a little bit. And I feel like this Advent, maybe more than any, I've been able to consider what does it look like? I think partially in prep for this. What does it look like for myself, for my family to abide in Christ and for his word to abide in me? And so we've done simple family disciplines that are been truly joy bringing. So a couple examples. Number one, a few weeks ago, uh, Joanna Musgrave, she told us that, that she wrote uh, 26 songs, one after every letter of the alphabet, this album right here. And every song is just another verse. So here's what I'm not asking you to do. I'm not asking you to go write 26 songs filled with scripture because I know like none of you can do that. I'm just saying we have people in our church that can do that and that have done that. And to put scripture into song and put in the background to listen to is actually the word of God abiding in our heart. It's putting God's word into us. I'd encourage you, buy the album. It's on Spotify, it's on iTunes, it's on all the stuff, or buy the CD. Or even Christmas music in general. Pick the kind of songs that you find yourself humming later that are actually God's word. And all of a sudden, they are abiding in you. Here's another little example. Who got the Advent packets? Who's a family and got the Advent packets? Anybody? Our family team did an awesome job. These little Advent packets. Uh, 30 of these that you kind of hang on a string across the window. All it is is at dinner, we sit down, we open it up, and we read the verse, and we do the little practice. You know what Advent has become for the Newman family? A little practice sequence for life. That we as a family, in a few minutes a day, in a few strategic things like the music we play, what we read together, how we spend our time, that we are allowing God's word to abide in us. Perhaps Advent become, can, can become a little microcosm of who you are, the practices that you want to see multiplied. If you abide in me and my word abides in you. How about this? You've heard me say kind of my own little spiritual practice of a, mon, a moment, a minute, a minute, an hour, an hour, a day, a day, a week, a, a week, a month, a month, a year. Have you heard me say that before? I'll say it again just so you know I'm not winging it. A moment, a minute, a minute, an hour, an hour, a day, a day, a month, a week, a month, a month, a year. And so little things like a moment, a minute where we think about the Lord and we have a song in our mind, a, 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 a minute, an hour where we're tuning into a song and just letting our hearts kind of focus on that. An hour a day, friends, the discipline of waking up and reading your Bible, it's more than just a habit. It's more than just a practice. It is abiding God's word into your heart. That's why Psalm 16, when it says, I've set the Lord before me continually, the result is I'll have an abundance of joy. Abide in me, word abide in you. Here's the third one. Ask anything and it'll be given to you. So when we abide, 
And when we let God's word abide in us, we're given this tremendous gift that we can ask and the God of creation will hear us and not just hear us, he will answer us. I was thinking about this because in just about, well, the advent calendar says 13 days, kids, what will happen? December 25th, you'll either walk up the stairs or down the stairs or down the hall, the tree will be lit, your pajamas will probably be on, the sun will not have risen yet, and you as a family will gather around in open presence. Now, what if, kids, what if your mom stopped you and said, actually, this year, you know that what's in the presence is yours, but we're just gonna not open them. How'd you think about that, kids? We're not gonna open them. We're just gonna believe that they're there. We're just gonna celebrate how pretty they are sitting there in their wrapping paper, and we're not gonna do it. In fact, we're just gonna leave them there all year. Kids, how would you feel about that? Yeah, yeah, right. That's the moment where candy canes are sucked to the point of spears and violence breaks out. Friends, is prayer that different that God says, when you ask, I will answer. When you abide in me, I will give you what you're praying for. As you know me and are connected to me, it is a gift of God to say, let me meet you there. And yet we so often struggle to ask. We leave the gift in the corner and just, yeah, it's a nice, it's over there. But do we meet God in prayer? Number three of joy is we ask. Number four, we bear much fruit and therefore prove to be his disciples. I think it's important what it says before. It says, by this my father is glorified. And we've talked about glory before. Anybody remember the little saying when we think about glory? The essence of his presence. I heard some The essence of his presence. So here's what this says that God will make himself known, his very presence, his beauty, his majesty, his fullness. The original word of glory means his weightiness will be made known when you, as followers of him, bear fruit. You bear fruit. Here's been my screensaver for the month. I'm just trying to give you guys a lot of simple and practical things that have steering my heart to joy. This little picture by Scott Erickson. You see it? Look at it a little bit. It's on my screensaver as a reminder. Just be the best airplane you can be. Maybe you're not a butterfly. Maybe you're not a helicopter. Maybe you're not a bee or a plane. But airplanes fly too. So quit believing that you have to bear somebody else's fruit, being something you're not. Instead, sit in the love of Jesus that he made you unique, he made you beautiful, and your call in life is to enjoy the jobs, the schools, the places that he's put you so that you can simply make him famous by working really hard and having integrity and making disciples when the opportunity presents itself and ultimately just fly like the best airplane that you can. Bear much fruit. Then there's one more. Stick with me. It says, keep my commandments. 
That's the last command, to keep my commandments. We're going to get into this next week a little bit because next week the final Advent candle is love. We're going to stay in John 15. And what does it mean to live a life of love? Sometimes we read, keep my commandments, and our minds go to like, oh, man, i got to follow the rules again. Friends, the Pharisees made up 600 rules plus so that they could check all the boxes so that they could be considered religious. I don't think that's what this is getting at. In fact, if you reread the passage three times, it talks about this is my commandment that you would love one another. And our key verse that we're gonna wrestle with next week, greater love has no, has no one than this, that someone laid down his life for his friends. Our command of love is this, to give your life away to others. Because joy doesn't come at the other end of gaining or getting. It comes at the other end of giving. And when you know thyself, when you are abiding in Christ, asking and receiving and meeting him there, bearing fruit for his name, a mindset of how can I give? How can I give my life away in true love? So here's a quick sum up. You're gonna talk as a family later, what was tonight about? Maybe you remember it in kind of an upward, inward, outward. As we think about upward, finding joy in God, knowing God, loving God. There's three inward disciplines. Abide in him, let his word abide in you, and to ask. And then there's two outward, upward, inward, outward. The outward is this, that we would bear much fruit and obey his commandments. And when those things become a part of the recipe of our life, it's like the funnel results in the fullness of joy. You know, one of the beautiful things about John 15 and where it is in the whole narrative of the book is that it is literally minutes from the upper room discourse. Literally minutes away, moments away, where Jesus is gonna look at his disciples and say, I'm leaving, but you're staying. But it's gonna be better because I'm gonna send the spirit to abide in you and for you to abide in him. That we can walk intimately with God through his son Jesus' death on the cross when we live in harmony with the spirit. And then he gives an ultimate example of joy to the full, an ultimate culminating example of what giving your life away looks like. When he finishes his 33-year ministry going to the cross. And he tells his disciples that day over dinner, that night over dinner, he said, I'm going to give you ways to think about this. Ways to remember. Just like every year we celebrate Advent. We come back together and remind ourselves that we need Emmanuel, God with us in hope, in peace, in joy, in love. Jesus says, he picks a great imagery. Every time you come together, Share a meal. See what you need from each other. Gather together and take a moment to peel back the, the weird plastic topping. <laughs> to hold it and to remember that God gave his body and God gave his blood. He gave his life. He gave it away so that you could have the fullness of joy in him. 
So would you pause with me? Would you close your eyes just for a moment? Hold the body, hold the blood, hold the bread, hold the cup. And out of a heart that is just grateful, Lord Jesus, I'm so tempted to give my life away to lesser things. There's so many unsatisfactory things that I keep going back to, and yet, you tell us, you tell us what is it like to abide in you. You tell us to ask. You promise us the joys and the privileges of giving our life away, of finding you and loving others. And so, Lord, in this act of remembering, this moment of taking the bread and taking the cup, we remember what true love is find our joy in you as we do this in remembrance of you. There's no darkness in your eyes There's no question in your mind God Almighty God of mercy tonight we sit before you the blood your body broken for us we would ask that you would come and be light transform us to focus on you to serve you to go from here empowered by your light to shine joy to those around us there's no borders in your Oh, 
Joy to 
Amen. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, can I leave you with two questions to just talk in the car, disciple-making community with your family? Here they are. Find the space and the courage to be vulnerable. How is your soul? How is your soul and where is your joy? And then let's lean in as the family of God, as Mosaic, and let's bounce our thoughts, bounce our mind back upon Jesus, abiding in him and his abundant love for us that our joy may be full. Amen. Hey, to close us in a benediction, those words read slowly one more time. Joyful, joyful. God, we adore thee. The God of glory and the Lord of love. Our hearts, they unfold like flowers before thee. Bring us to the throne above. Mosaic, we love you. May your joy be full in Christ alone. Have a wonderful Sabbath tomorrow. Good night.